Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. Hosted by Andrew Schlicht with Alex Spears. How about we can just watch basketball? That's a man's jam! I like that idea. Live from Oklahoma. We click. With questions and participants from all around the world. Anthony Edwards! Put that on a poster! Whether you're flipping your flapjacks, tending to your yard, or just sipping your coffee, get ready, sit back, relax. It's the Saturday Slam and Jam. Back is, I missed this shot, I walk away, I'm still a chump. Here's Andrew. Welcome to the Saturday Slam and Jam. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are back after being gone for one week because of Summer League. We're back. We're actually going to be going on an every other week schedule. So if you're looking for the Slam and Jam next week, it won't be there. The following week, it will. So we'll be doing that through the end of this offseason once training camp and preseason picks up. We'll be back every single week. So just a little programming note, but Alex, let's talk about the league because there's some still some stuff going on every day. I feel like I get alerts. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of a thing. Yeah, it feels like the, the dust has finally settled. For the most part, there's still some, some moves out there to be made, one of which we'll be talking about later with Trey Kirby, Lowry Markinen. What's going to happen there? But as the dust is settling, starting to look at some of these teams and, and some teams that previously I just didn't. I don't want to say I didn't care about them, Andrew, but I just didn't have a lot wow. of strong feelings. I said I didn't want to say that. Okay. <laughs> I just there there's some teams I didn't have strong feelings about that now all of a sudden I'm like much more invested in. And so this week I'd like to talk about team building, specifically one of the teams that I am most interested for the upcoming season when it comes to team building, and that is the Memphis Grizzlies, which I don't think I would have said that a few months ago. You know, they, yeah. they are a Fun young team, made the mm-hmm. playoffs, John Morant, budding superstar, but it still felt from the outside like they were perfectly content to continue building around their young depth, try to make the playoffs again, and see where it goes. You yep. know? It, it felt like they were on a path, they were perfectly satisfied with it. I mean, sure. just a few months ago on this very pod, Andrew, we were talking about Memphis, and I asked you, okay, outside of Ja and Jaron, who is the guy on this roster is the best chance to raise the ceiling of this team? Because for all the young depth that Memphis has, it was hard for me to see the clear path to contention, which admittedly is unfair because most of the yeah. relevant Grizzlies that we're talking about are under 25 years old. So they mm-hmm. still have plenty of time. Desmond Bain looked amazing in Summer League. But it yeah. just felt well, the, like... Well, the they, answer was DeAnthony Melton. Like well, that was the answer. I know. I was going to say, you tried to convince me it was DeAnthony Melton could be that player that raises their ceiling, and maybe he will be. But I still think it was a legitimate question because it just felt like they were going to need to take another big swing at some point. And then this summer happened. And now I am more intrigued by the Grizzlies' long-term outlook than I have been in quite a while. And it's not just because of the moves they made, but what those moves might say about their thinking regarding the current roster and their perceived timeline. So the big move, of course, was moving up from pick 17 to pick 10 
to take Zaire Williams from Stanford. That trade involves sending out one of their most important players from last season, Jonas Valanciunas, and taking back two bad contracts in Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. They also got a 22 Lakers first, which we'll come back to. They then flip Bledsoe for Daniel Oturu, Rondo, Patrick Beverly, then flip Beverly for Jarrett Culver, Juancho Hernan Gomez. You throw in the decision to move up to pick 30 to draft Santi Aldama, the mystery man of this draft, who, who did you know some people are calling this year's Pokushevsky? No, stop it. Yeah, well, I was on some Memphis Grizzlies blogs, and uh, I saw a few people say that. Just in terms of like him being the mystery man that like no one really saw coming as a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Super mm-hmm. tall, skinny, can do a lot of things, you know, fitting that mold. But you throw that in, you've got yourself an incredibly fascinating summer. Because this is a team who, outside of John Jaron at the top of the draft, they've largely been using their draft capital to draft prospects that were a little older, a little more seasoned, a little more NBA-ready. Desmond Bain, four-year college player. Dylan Brooks, three-year college player. Brandon Clark, three years. Xavier Tillman, three years. They always seem to be grabbing prospects who were being slightly overlooked because of their age or their perceived ceiling. And the Grizzlies had largely been proven correct in that strategy over these last few years as they developed one of the deepest rosters of young talent in the league. You have Ja, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman. That's crazy young depth. You know, like you and I, when, when, a, when a young prospect starts looking like a real NBA player, we like to say that that player is now a guy. He has achieved guy status. Well, the oh, Memphis yeah. Grizzlies roster is full of guys. It's just Tons nonstop guys, guys. Yeah. Agreed. It's crazy. I mean, Brandon Clark, who we, we, said, we said he was a guy in his rookie season, you know, he's not getting as much playing time already in his second season just because there are so many guys on this team. Too many so, guys. Too, hey, Andrew, too many guys? Too, too many, many guys? guys? <laughs> I would say. <laughs> so... I look at their roster, how they got there, and then I look at the moves they made this summer, and it's hard not to think that the Grizzlies may have slightly altered their team-building strategy because these were not moves of a team hell-bent on making the playoffs again next year. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but it doesn't seem like making the playoffs next season was their top priority this summer. These are moves, in my opinion, of a small market team that is willing to take a step back if necessary if it increases their championship odds in the future. A team that wants to win a championship and understands that they need more superstar level talent and further understands that the two paths most readily available to them to acquire that type of talent is through the draft or through trades. Because similar to most small market teams, the five greatest free agent signings in franchise history article isn't all that compelling when it comes to the Grizzlies. You know, Tony Allen, number one. I was reading a few of like the greatest free agent signings in Memphis history. Tony Allen is number one on almost all of them. After that, it just kind of drops off. You know, like I saw Jared Bayless on a list, you know. He was in the top five. So what happens next? There's two things I'm really interested in. One, the minutes for Zaire Williams. Because going to all that trouble, trading away Valanciunas, bringing back those bad contracts, it just seems like a lot of work if you're not going to play the guy. Because we're not talking about a contending team who randomly had a good pick one year and decides to bring a rookie along slowly. Yes, the Mm -hmm. Grizzlies made the playoffs last season, but they also would have missed the playoffs under the old rules. In other words, they're definitely not a playoff lock with their current roster and the state of the West. And again, you don't trade away Valanchunas 
if making the playoffs is your number one priority. So the idea of investing this much in a young prospect that you clearly see as an upside swing and then not playing him on a team that wasn't even a playoff lock previously and certainly isn't now, it doesn't make sense to me. But we just went over their roster. How does Zaire Williams get consistent minutes on this team? It's, it's kind of hard to see, which brings yeah, me to the second is. thing I'm interested in. Is a bigger trade coming? Memphis was clearly willing to potentially sacrifice short-term gains for long-term success this summer, but how mm-hmm. much farther are they willing to go? Because they have a roster stacked with young talent that has now reached the point where it's hard to find minutes for all these guys because all of the pieces are so solid. And unless something crazy happens, the Grizzlies are likely going to have three first-round picks in the 2022 draft. So that's potentially three more first-rounders entering this roster next summer. All this is to say that after what they did this summer, it feels like the Grizzlies' short-term future is more up in the air than it had been in a while. And I'm just really excited to see what they choose to do next. You obviously can't judge the results. You know, maybe Zaire Williams ends up being a bust. But I really like the process and the recognition that they needed to take these bigger swings to reach their ceiling as a team. Yeah. And I think that they'll have options. I mean, we think of like if like a Carl Anthony Towns became available via trade because you look yeah. at the Timberwolves situation and it's like, oh man, like it's just hard to see a path to the Timberwolves becoming even a play-in team in the next two years. Like I think it's tough to see. Like you're going to have to see a major leap from somebody on the perimeter and for it to like really, really work for them. Uh, so like they've got the pieces. Like the good thing about acquiring all these like ready-made NBA guys out of the draft is like there's some trade value there in all of them. And so you could the, cobble up enough players and picks to to give to Minnesota or to like if you if if the Grizzlies wanted to make some kind of like Ben Simmons offer, I don't really don't know what that would look like, but like they have enough pieces, you know, to to make things work here and there. So I I like I at least like that aspect of it because if you acquire like high upside guys only and you just swing swing swing, like you're gonna miss on guys and then the value is just depleted. It's gone. Yeah, true. I I do wonder, though, because you hear about the idea of like a consolidation trade. I feel like fans of other teams like to bring this up all the time. Like, why don't you package together, you know, Dylan Brooks and and Xavier Tillman or something and go try to get something. I think it's really hard to get positive value back in a trade like that, like trading two young players to to a team who's going to give you a better young player. Um, I think I think the key, though, is those picks. Because they have the three next year, which granted, they're probably going to be mid to late first. I mean, it's the Lakers pick, it's the Jazz pick, and then their own Mm -hmm. pick. They have Mm -hmm. all their own picks going forward. They also have a really juicy Warriors pick starting in 2024 that's very lightly protected and then becomes unprotected. So I do think they definitely have the ammo with the combination of those picks and some of these young guys to make a big move. Who knows when that's going to happen? The other thing we haven't even discussed is Jaron Jackson Jr., who is right now eligible for an extension. He could sign something today. We haven't really heard Mm -hmm. a lot about it. Probably shouldn't get too excited about it yet because there's still plenty of time, but it is interesting, and you kind of want to see how that plays out because I'm sure Jaron Jackson is once a max, whatever that would be, because he was so highly touted coming in, and the Grizzlies likely would want to push back because of the injury history, and they haven't really even seen him yet in a full-time role over the course of an entire season which they should see this season, assuming he can stay healthy. So I'm, yeah. I'm just very, suddenly very interested in the Grizzlies because it does seem like they're deviating a little bit. 
Yeah. No, I th- I think it's I think they made some great moves this summer. And yeah, you know, Steven Adams, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can you know, pl- you know play him for extended minutes and what does he look like with them? They one, one thing you didn't mention, maybe the best thing they did all summer is that they they pulled the chair on Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly got all excited about being a Grizzly. He tweeted, "Grit and grind. Let's go. Basketball, basketball." <laughs> and they traded him just a few days later. <laughs> so Hey, shout like out to that. him because he sent out a really positive tweet after getting traded to Minnesota. Like, I mean, if, if you're a fan of any of those teams, that's all you really want to see from like a random veteran that's joining your young team. Like, <laughs> oh, if he's excited, sure, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, it shows, shows a little desperation on Pat Bev's part. But yeah, Grizzly <laughs> should, be, should be exciting this year. Should be fun. I want to talk about Summer League, Alex. This year in Summer League, we had every single first-round pick suit up and play, which was really fun to see. Just lots of uh, future stars, you know, in their first action in the NBA. But I just wanted to take a look back and see, do the future stars shine the brightest in Summer League? So this year, we had co-Summer League MVPs and Davion Mitchell and Cam Thomas. So does this mean that the Kings finally have their star? And that the Nets get to add to their embarrassment of riches based on performance? I'm not not so sure about that, Al. Let's go back. I found all the way back to 2006, Summer League MVPs. Mm. I'll list them out, and then we're going to talk about like where did they end up as NBA players. Because some of these guys, like their careers have come and gone already. 2006, Randy Foy was oh, really? the Summer League MVP. High draft pick from Villanova. Ended up not being the best player from Villanova from that season. Ended up being Kyle Lowry. But Randy Foy was thought to be great. And I think the Timberwolves at the time felt pretty good about that selection. Uh, Nate Robinson, 2007, Summer League MVP. 2008. Do you remember who 2008? This is the, the Thunder drafted fourth in this draft. And there was a player that I think you and I very much wanted the Thunders to take. Do you remember who the 2008 Summer League MVP was? Uh, was it the aforementioned Jared Bayless? Jared Bayless. Yeah. Summer League MVP. Wow. We were vindicated during Summer League in <laughs> wanting the Thunder to take him over Russell Westbrook. What are the Thunder doing taking Russell Westbrook? They should have taken Jared Bayless. We watched him in Summer League. He scores a billion points in Summer League, wins the MVP. Man, we're feeling bad. Feeling bad about ourselves because we, we didn't get to see uh, our guy thrive like that. Now, 2009, 10, and then there was not one in 11 because of the lockout, but then 12 kind of bucks the trend of like these bench scoring guards. So 2009, Blake Griffin wins. Uh, 2010, John Wall, like back-to-back number one picks winning Summer League MVP, which just frankly just doesn't really happen. Uh, And then 2012, Damian Lillard actually shared the, the MVP with Josh Selby. Uh, I was waiting uh, for Josh like Selby's name. I knew it was coming. Yeah. It makes it a little less... It makes it hit a little bit less hard that Damian Lillard shared it with him and that it wasn't just Josh Selby on his own getting the MVP. <laughs> right. Um, so it's hard to say... So with that, it's hard to say that it doesn't matter at all or that, like, oh, only, like, a certain player gets it because it was two number one picks and Dame. Uh, it's, it's rare that, like, a super high pick wins it for whatever reason maybe they aren't ready maybe they're not going all out whatever it is like i don't know but like john wall blake griffin like went out there and got it 
Uh, 13, Jonas Valanciunas, Summer League MVP. Uh, 13, Glenn Rice Jr. was Summer League MVP. 15, Hmm. Kyle Anderson was Summer League MVP. 16 is Tyus Jones. 17, this one, I don't remember this. 17, it was Lonzo Ball was Summer League MVP. And Lakers fans were just going wild, like super excited about their Lonzo Ball pick, which I don't know. Do you have any recollection of that? Honestly, I'm still stuck on Kyle Anderson. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> what what did he do in Summer League? What did Kyle Anderson do in Summer League? I just don't think of him as the type of guy who would put up, like, the crazy stats that would warrant sure. Summer League MVP. Well, same for, like, a guy like Tyus Jones, too. But like, at least these, with that... These are, like, these steady hands, you know? Yeah, that's true. I was, I was going to say, because a lot of the names you've been mentioning so far are guards, but I don't really think of Tyus Jones as, like, a scoring guard. Yeah, um, in the way yeah, some not. of these other guys are. Even Lonzo, though. And then the last uh, two before this season, and n- none in 2020, obviously, but Josh Hart and Brandon Clark were Summer League MVPs. Wow, so three so, Grizz that we talked about. Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark. Yep. There's mm. a trend here. There is a trend. Will, will Cam Thomas be a Grizzly in three years? I don't know. I think this list says yes. So if you break it down, since 2006, there have been like seven like rotation players. Like these guys either played in a rotation or they're like top nine guys. You know, you have guys that are like further to the back of that, like a Glenn Rice Jr. Like obviously has not have panned out like many thought he might. But you know, like Randy Foy had a nice career. Nate Robinson had a nice career. Jared Bayless, while disappointing, had a nice career. Uh, three solid starters in Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson, and Lonzo Ball. Those guys would start on most teams. I don't think every they're not the, they're not like the right flavor for every team, but like they they're solid starters on the teams that they're on. And then you had three stars in Blake, John Wall, Damian Lillard. So I just thought it was interesting because you can't like flat out say like, oh, okay, like this means nothing for Davion Mitchell. Like look at the MVPs. You know it's. It's just summer league is just such an interesting environment, and I think that probably too much is said about it. I mean, you go back and look. I saw Ben Gulliver wrote this piece in 2018 about Kevin Knox, and this is what he wrote about Kevin Knox, who had like a great summer league. I think he was like all summer league first team. He said, um, looking past his steady supply of highlight real fare, Knox was guilty of streaky shooting and inconsistency. Even so, Knicks fans should be elated by his play, given that he was selected at number nine. And if the 2018 class were redrafted today, like 20 days later or whatever, he might sneak into the top five. Wow. Of the 2018 draft. Luka. The Luka Doncic draft. <laughs> like that, it's just, there's just, there are just things said that shouldn't be said. And then, so Blake Griffin won Summer League MVP, but people were up in arms because... Anthony Randolph shot a better percentage than him. Like there was like legitimate like frustration from Warriors fans who had they had Anthony Randolph and Anthony Morrow on that same team. That was a summer that Anthony Morrow scored 47 points in a game when he just yeah. got crazy hot. But Anthony Randolph here he scored 26.8 points per game. He had 8.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 2.2 steals and 3 blocks per game in summer league. That's what Anthony Randolph Jeez. did. He's before and his now time. He's, I mean, he ended up having a nice career overseas. 
He had a nice, yes, nice career overseas. But I think that you watch him in summer league, and you're like, oh my gosh, like why did we, why did, why did we miss on that guy? Like why did we take him? You know, and he just wasn't able to put it together in the league, which just like shows that the NBA and summer league are like completely different planets to a degree. It's just like we can't, and this is why. Like, I think that you can take some things, like if you see some flashes and stuff like that from guys, it's like, okay, cool. But when you have 26, 8, 1 assist, 2, like, 5 combined blocks and steals <laughs> from Anthony Randolph, if, if a, th- like, we do a Thunder show called Down to Dunk, if we had a player that did that in the oh, summer we, league, we'd do an emergency pod. We'd be going nuts. Yeah. We'd be going absolutely haywire. And I think we would talk about I would I'd be pointing out the steals and blocks themselves, like just that stat, as something to just take home, like take it to the bank. You know? Well, that's what's like I almost feel like you have to just completely disregard Summer League or just accept that like I'm just gonna live in this little bubble world for two weeks and get irrationally mm-hmm. excited about a bunch of guys and just allow myself that fun and then be done with it. Because the middle road, which you mentioned, like trying to pick out small things here or there, I always, I try to do that, but I always feel like I'm just like blowing things out of proportion. Like how can I really know that it ultimately matters? Because I might agree yeah. with you that like steals and blocks might be the type of thing where you feel like, oh, that's going to be translatable or something. Right. You know, I that know, I would get I excited about that. Yes. So now I'm tempted just not not to ever watch a summer league game again, Andrew. That's where you've taken me. I would just just wad up all your summer league stats and just chunk them out the window. That's my advice for you. Uh, okay, well, speaking of Kevin Knox, Andrew, guess who had a birthday this week? Woo! Blow out the candles, get your cake, and eat it too. It's the birthday bash. It's your birthday. Somebody in here, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. Somebody all right so we uh it was, it was a big week for birthdays because it was two weeks of birthdays because we didn't have a show last week so a plenty of guys for me to choose from so gonna give you two names guys who had birthdays this week you're gonna tell me which guy is younger first up kevin knox and fiondu cabin gelly Ooh, i'll say kevin knox kevin knox just turned 22 he is younger, yes. Uh, yeah. Kevin Gelly turning 24, so you are correct. Next up, two veterans, Dwayne Dedman, Boban Marjanovic. Oh, hmm. I'll say Boban's younger. Boban is older, turning 33 oh, this week. Dwayne Dedman turning tw- <laughs> 22. No, 32. Uh, next up, <laughs> <like> 20. <laughs> uh, Andre Drummond versus... Bogdan Bogdanovich. Oh, that's a funny one. Uh, I'll say Bogdan. Drummond is younger. He is. I thought that, that was a tricky one. Andre Drummond just yeah. turned 28. Bogdan just turned 29. Wow. Interesting, interesting. How about this one? Demarcus Cousins, Chris Middleton. Ooh. Oh, man. I don't have a good reference point for Middleton's age. I know, because he just appeared out of nowhere. Um, he really did. <laughs> he did appear out of nowhere. I'll say Boogie's younger. That is incorrect. I tricked you. Oh, Chris man. Middleton turning 30 this week. Boogie turning 31. And last, two young guys. A guy, Kyle guy, versus Chuma Ooh. Okiki. Uh, oh, I'll say 
Chuma is younger. He is by one year. Chuma Okiki turning 23 this week. Kyle Guy turning 24. So you went three and two, Andrew. Not terrible. Not terrible. Speaking of bull, we're going to talk to Trey Kirby about the bulls right after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. I'd like to welcome in Trey Kirby to the pod. Trey Kirby is on No Dunks, and you should already know that. And I shouldn't even have to tell you that. Trey Kirby is one of my favorite people and favorite podcasters. Trey, what's up? Hey, yo! Hey, yo! Nice. Trey. We had a week of practice, so I thought uh, it would go over pretty smoothly. <laughs> you did. <laughs> no, it was great. Uh, I won. I. We didn't plan to talk about this, but I love producing for you guys. It was such a fun experience. That was a really fun week. Uh, you killed it, man. People were so excited uh, to have you on. And then we got the extra encore performance the <laughs> next week. Nobody was <laughs> expecting that, but they said, give us more schlecht. And we said, all right, we got to. That's right. <laughs> uh, I have to ask you a question before we get into like the meat of the Chicago Bulls. Are the Bulls back? The Bulls are back! I've been holding off saying it. Um, I mean, to be quite honest, for me, the Bulls have been back since January 5th, 2021. But I seem to have been a little bit premature on that one. I still consider them back. But, you know, after the way things went down at the trade deadline and then during free agency and then Zach Levine won a gold medal. Now I'm feeling pretty confident that the Bulls are fully back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so walk us through your emotions as a Bulls fan as you learned of each transaction this summer, like starting with Lonzo. Well, first of all, when Lonzo Ball was signed to the Bulls, I was furious. I could not believe that my favorite team just might be tampering in today's NBA. Uh, <laughs> just disrespectful to the other franchises to be signing into that contract, you know, two minutes in. How did they work out all the details? There's no way to find out, but... I don't know. The Lonzo thing was cool, uh, but that was kind of expected because there was a lot of talk during the trade deadline that Lonzo and Lowry Markkinen might end up being swapped for each other because they were both going to be coming uh, upcoming free agents with restricted free agency. Perhaps they would, uh, you know, get swapped at the trade deadline, then re-sign with their new teams. That obviously didn't happen, but the Bulls were linked to Lonzo for quite some time, and definitely point guard was a position of need. Uh, for Chicago and what Lonzo brought to Chicago seems like it's going to be exactly what they needed uh, alongside Levine in particular. He can catch and shoot, hit some threes. He can run in transition. He'll pass the ball, which is something the Bulls have needed. And he's going to be able to guard, which is something the Bulls did not have. So 
I thought it was a great signing and not completely shocking, uh, just because they had been linked together and it felt like definitely the number one area to address coming into 21-22 was going to be somebody who can play defense and move the ball and be a secondary creator. Uh, so when it happened, I was thrilled that the Bulls actually got their guy, especially, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry was going to be the big name and the Pelicans had cleared a bunch of cap space. Maybe they were going to try and use Lonzo to lure Lowry. There were other places Lonzo could go, but as we saw, that was just rumors and they ended up going to the Bulls. That was exciting. But once they signed Alex Caruso, then I got really <laughs> yeah. excited uh, because they <laughs> lured him away from the Lakers. I thought that was a pretty impressive. You know, the Lakers could have easily said, yeah, we're giving you the exact same deal uh, that the Bulls are going to do. And they just didn't want to. The Bulls realized Again, they needed somebody to play point-of-attack defense. Caruso's one of the best in the league at it. Also a solid three-point shooter. And that was a name that they hadn't been linked to at all. And I thought that was really impressive. It was kind of similar to me as the trade deadline last season when the Vucevic trade came out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, I love being surprised by the Bulls actually making moves. Quite a difference uh, from the previous regime. You know, they valued salary cap flexibility and always being ready to make the next move more so than making the move. So the Bulls came out swinging big time on day one of free agency. Lonzo and then Caruso made me think they're going to have to get a wing at some point because right now it's just all guards out there. And as we saw later on with DeRozan, the Bulls got their guy. So one of the questions still to be answered this offseason with the Bulls starts with Lowry Markkinen. There have been reports that several teams are interested, but that the Bulls have been demanding a first-round pick in any deal. Lowry was one of the key pieces that the Bulls got in the Jimmy Butler trade, and he has certainly had flashes over the years. How much do you still believe in Markkinen, and are you ready to move on? I've still got a little bit of confidence that Markkinen can be a solid NBA player. I mean, he's seven feet tall. He shot 40% from three-point land last year. That's a solid player in the NBA. He's just very young right now, and at times... Markkinen can be a seven-foot-tall shooting guard, and that's not what you want from a, you know, the big return in the Jimmy Butler trade. I think his future is most likely going to be away from Chicago. It just feels like he needs a change of scenery like a lot of guys have, but still, being so young, you know, I guess he'll be 24 at the start of this next season. That's a lot of time to develop, and if you've already got, he's already got the shot. He's already, you know, got the size out there, and we've seen a few stretches. If you're a Bulls fan, like, Markkinen's rookie season, he went 22-12 and 12 or something during the month of February, and those are like the 16 games that we hang our hat on, right? Like, oh man, right. if we could ever get Markkinen back there, I don't know that he's necessarily going to be a consistent contributor for Chicago. He seems to have gotten lost in the shuffle as well. Obviously, Karnishevis isn't uh, a big Markkinen fan. I would be okay if somehow the market completely dries up for him. Nobody's really looking to sign him to a three- or four-year deal, and the Bulls bring him back as on the qualifying offer. He plays one more year in Chicago and then maybe goes into unrestricted free agency in 2022. I can see that happening, but I don't know. Uh, Markkinen's value around the league does not seem to be super high right now. You know, when they were doing the deal with the Spurs, uh, allegedly the Spurs could have had Markkinen if they wanted, and they chose Thad Young, yeah. which is kind of surprising to me because Markkinen seems like the kind of guy who would fit perfectly uh, in a San Antonio system. Put him out in the corner. He's going to knock down threes. They're going to figure out ways to get him good touches, but obviously San Antonio wasn't very interested. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what goes on with Markkinen's career. He can shoot, he's tall, and he's young. He's going to get a ton of chances. Somebody just has to figure out how to keep him 
aggressive out there because that's the thing. He'll float through games. You know, he'll have a 25-point game, and then he'll have a six-point game. He'll have a massive dunk, and then he won't go into the lane for the next two weeks. It's really hard to see him developing that consistent scoring threat, which is what he's going to have to be to be successful in the NBA. And right now, the touches aren't going to be there for him unless he's happy coming off the bench and shooting a few three-pointers. One of the mm-hmm. uh, rumors that's been out there with Lowry is a potential swap with Dallas for Maxi Kleber. Does that excite you, or are there any other Lowry trade rumors out there that you'd prefer? I was happy to see uh, Kleber's name come all, come across the line. I'm a Kleber believer only because, to me, in the first series, I guess it would have been 2019 bubble, the first series that the Mavs played against the Clippers. I thought Kleba did the best job of any of the Mavericks on Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi was still going for 30 and probably shooting 60% from the field, but at least Kleba was out there trying. Uh, You know, he's probably not quite as good of a shooter as Markinen, maybe a little bit better of an athlete, but certainly a better defender and definitely more cognizant that he's going to be a role player. Uh, So I was happy to see Kleba, but I mean... We're talking about a seventh pick in the draft. You don't want to be swapping him for a reserve role player. If you can help it, that's probably why the Bulls are asking for a first-round pick. It doesn't seem likely to me, but Kleba would be a fine substitute, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Summer League just wrapped, and it's a pretty fun one for a Bulls fan just because you got to see Patrick Williams like looking like a real player. Uh, what were your impressions of his development uh, and what he did in Summer League? Um, just from year one to year two. I just love that he went out there and shot the ball a ton of times because that was the main concern I had with Williams during his rookie year. It looks like he's going to be able to guard his position at the very least in the NBA. They try and stick him on some wings uh, to be their wing stopper. He might have to fill that role for Chicago this year, and I don't necessarily know if that's going to be happening. He seems to be more of... um, you know, a Draymond Green 3-4-5 defender rather than a 2-3-4, mm-hmm. if you ask me. But towards the end of the season last year, it felt like Patrick Williams would take six shots over the course of 10 games. Uh, you yeah. know, he would just drift through the games. He would be happy playing defense. He would shoot a corner three if it were wide open. But the aggressiveness to be a scorer wasn't there. And that was something that was, as a when he was a draft prospect, it was kind of, we'll see how his offensive game turns out, much like Scotty Barnes. When I'm hearing these Scotty yeah. Barnes comparison, even the fact that he went number four, I'm like, this is Patrick Williams all over again. He's got the handle. Yeah. He's got the playmaking. He's got the NBA body. He plays defense. The shot's there. Let's just see if he can actually do anything with it. Um, so I was excited to see him taking 25, 30 shots in these summer league games. I think that's exactly what you have to do. When you're a second year player, he gets compared to Kawhi Leonard all the time (laughs) on the Bulls broadcast. They call this guy the paw. And I'm like, that's, uh, (laughs) you know, that's a bit of wishful thinking. I remember when Kawhi came for his second summer league, he played one game and the Spurs were like, just go home, man. There is nothing for you here. Obviously, Patrick Williams didn't have quite the same impact for Chicago's summer league team. But he was the man for them, and I think that's important. Giving him the ball, letting him work, trying to figure out some shots to get. Because he's got a nice in-between game, and I think that's where you get the comparisons uh, to Kawhi. He's got the three-point shot from the corners. That's already there. He likes to get into the mid-range game, which is frowned upon unless you're really, really hitting him like Kawhi does. So if he's able to you know, shoot 45% in the floater range, in the 16-foot range, that would be incredible. Uh, A lot of the Bulls... Future ceiling depends on Patrick Williams. So I thought it was exciting to see him kind of trying to take over. He had a 
couple of really nice halves. I don't know that he put together an entire great game during Summer League, but that can also be hard to do. I was encouraged, though, to see the aggression that he was playing with out there on the court. Yeah. You fall in love with anybody else during Summer League, like Bulls or otherwise? Uh, Not so much. I love... The highlights, that's the, you got to watch the highlights, I feel like, because you got, you know, if I'm watching Patrick Williams score 30 points, I love it. But if I know that he shot like 10 for 27, I don't love it quite as much. Uh, yeah. Who do I like? Yeah. I like Jalen Green. I love the confidence he plays with. Um, you know, Cade Cunningham, you have to think he's probably the favorite for rookie of the year. He's going to have a ton of responsibility uh, for the yeah. Pistons. But the way that Jalen Green plays and the flair that he plays with it's like he's been in the NBA already for six seasons and uh, just seeing him, you know, act like he's been there before when he really hasn't yet, I thought was pretty impressive. So looking ahead now to next season, the Bulls are likely going to be one of the more interesting teams to discuss in the preseason as far as predicting their final position in the standings. Some early over-under numbers have already come out. One I saw had the Bulls over-under at 39 and a half wins, which would put them squarely in the play-in tournament range. As of right now, if you had to put percentages on it, what do you think the chances are that the Bulls end up in that 7 to 10 range versus finishing 6 or higher? How confident are you feeling? I'm 100% confident in the over on that. I think the Bulls are at least a 500 team this year. Um, Where are they going to be? There's actually some solid teams in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference when you look at it. they should at least be contending for a play-in game, but I think if they end up in the play-in game, even though they haven't made the playoffs for half a decade, I think that would be a little bit of a disappointment. I think uh, if the deals they did in the offseason were for Lonzo and Caruso, and that's it, they never brought in DeRozan, I think you're looking at a 7-10 through 10 team, but signing DeRozan to the big deal that he was signed to, uh, trading the draft picks as well, I think that means that they don't want to just barely make the playoffs and have to play a game to even get into the playoffs. I think they're going to be pretty solid. You know, uh, I'm certainly looking at this through rose colored glasses, but they're going to be awesome on offense. They're going to be a great offensive team. And I think that people would be surprised to hear that the Bulls finished 11th in defense last year. And I mean, they upgraded their defense. Lonzo is going to be a better defender than Kobe White was last year, as will Alex Caruso. They're going to be taking, uh, assignments that Zach Levine would have had to have last year. Adding DeRozan certainly complicates things. He'll probably be the worst defender in the starting lineup, but I think Billy Donovan does a pretty good job of building defenses. If I'm not mistaken, he's never finished lower than 11th uh, in defensive rating, and the Bulls finished 11th last year despite having a team that did not have defenders anywhere outside of Daniel Tice, who is now gone. So I think they'll be able to at least be middle of the pack defensively and then very, very good offensively. And if that works out, uh, it's just going to be a matter of winning close games because that was the Bulls' problem last year. They destroyed any team 7 through 12. They were clearly the best team in the 7 through 12 range, but anytime they played a team 6 through 1, it was basically a loss. They could not beat the good teams. They beat up on the bad teams, and they lost clutch games. Uh, So maybe, at least the thought is, if Levine's not having to do everything, if he's not having to carry the team for 48 minutes, he'll have a little bit more gas there in the fourth quarter to do something besides try and shoot a fight away with a couple of guys on him. He should have a little bit more juice later on. He can turn things over to DeRozan uh, to try and score a little bit, uh, get into the free throw line, another major concern that the Bulls seem to have addressed. So I'm shooting for sixth. 
I could see fourth. I'm going to regret saying it on a podcast that's being recorded, <laughs> but I can see it. Hey, the Knicks finished fourth last year, and I don't think it's far-fetched it to see a similar sort of jump uh, for the Bulls now that they're going to have a full training camp, they've got a full NBA roster, and they're going to be able to get, build a little bit of chemistry here. Okay, so last question. In a recent video, Cade Cunningham discussed his love for PB&Js, saying that when he was in high school, every meal included a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He then showed the camera a PB&J that he had made and said, that's a juicy one. (laughs) So if there's one food item that you had to eat every meal, regardless of what else was on your plate for that meal, what would you choose? I could have a piece of pizza on the side of every meal, you know? We're having (laughs) a big steak, a baked potato, some greens, some other vegetables, and then like just a little appetizer. A thin crust, you know? Uh, If it's not the star of the dish, if if it's just seriously a piece of side pizza, keep it thin. But if it's the the main star, chunk it up. Give me a thick boy. Uh, Yeah, easily pizza. You can eat it in the morning. You can eat it at night, right before you fall asleep, right when you wake up. you know, you can find some evidence, evidence, uh, air quotes evidence on the internet that pizza is a healthy food for you because it's got so many different uh, things going on. Your proteins, your carbs. I don't know. It tastes great and I could eat it at any time. Oh, you're really selling pizza here. That, that is hey, have you guys heard arguments. of pizza? <laughs> Y'all ever heard of pizza? It's this new food I, I just got in on. <laughs> I'm feeling crazy about it. I, I feel like that's an upset because me and Andrew were talking about this question beforehand. I was like, you know, he's probably going to say hot dogs because of the pocket dogs, but I feel like we got to ask him regardless. So I feel like pizza is an upset here. Yeah. Oh, pizza is an upset. You were expecting hot dogs? Yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, for me, hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs are on a major comeback for me right now. You know, I went, I feel like I went. 10 years without eating a hot dog. Uh, Then I had kids and suddenly I'm back in the hot dog game. And I'm like, what was I doing? I was just completely (laughs) sleeping on hot dogs here. And honestly, you're making a good case because we had a buddy visit once. Uh, His name's Ken. We ended up grilling out at night. You know, we made a whole bunch of burgers, made a whole bunch of dogs. We had hot dogs left over. The next morning, he's like, let's have a hot dog. I had never had a breakfast hot dog before. But it was delicious. It was perfect. It's not too different than having like a sausage in the morning, right? You're getting an encased meat. I couldn't believe how smoothly a hot dog went down in the morning. So, you know, maybe it's my number two. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. I know I'm looking outside right now. Sun's out. Birds are chirping. It's time to start getting outside. Uh, I know that I like to get outside and play basketball with my kids and Honestly, I need to get into a fitness routine in order to keep up with these guys. And Peloton is there for me. Peloton's varying class links were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. Peloton's classes were made to challenge you. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you're already excelling in. Peloton's program and instruction push you to be your best. Their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Peloton has everything you need 
to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run indoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Well, Trey, thank you so much for answering our questions, but it is now time to test your Bulls trivia knowledge in our weekly segment, Andrew versus the Beat, where each week Andrew goes head-to-head with a beat writer, or in this case, super fan Trey Kirby, to test your mettle when it comes to a team's uh, trivia. So how this works, I've come up with eight trivia questions all about the Bulls. You're going to give me a number between one and eight. That'll correspond to a trivia question. It may be very easy, maybe very hard. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal for one point. Then he'll choose a number. We'll go back and forth until all the questions have been asked and answered. So if there are no questions, Trey, I just need a number between one and eight. Two. Question number two. The Bulls last made the playoffs during the 2016-17 season. That roster had two players who played in the 2021 NBA Finals. Name those players. All right, all right. Uh, give me Cameron Payne. And I will not tell you correct or not okay, correct okay, until okay. you give me both. Cameron Payne, Bobby Portis. That is correct for two points. Trey is yeah, on that- the board. Andrew, Even more evidence the Bulls are back. You know, people were tweeting me. They're like, we're getting a Bulls title here. Cameron Payne, the tank I, commander for Chicago. And Bobby Portis, the only guy who has broken a teammate's face and stayed on the team. These were uh, hilarious Bulls who seem to have turned their careers around. I forgot to mention, which I do every week, but this is a very important week of Andrew versus the Beat because he started out 0-11-1. He then won 11 in a row. So he is currently 500. This is wow. his week to finally move above 500. This is his opportunity. And Andrew, you're already down two zip, and I need a number between one and eight. Uh, number one. Number one. Who is the Bulls' all-time leader in three-pointers made? It'd have to be probably closer to a modern era player. I'm going to guess, I don't know if he played for the Bulls long enough. I'm going to say Ben Gordon. Ben Gordon, that is incorrect. Trey Kirby, you have a chance to steal. That's a good guess, Ben Gordon. Man, you're right. It's got to be a modern player. It's like, you know, John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Craig Hodges, the best shooters in Bulls history. They probably took one and a half a game (laughs) uh, between the three of them. Right. I don't know if this is right, but I'm going to go with Zach Levine. Zach Levine is... Also incorrect. The correct answer was Kirk Heinrich. 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 Oh, wow. I should have known that one. All right, back to Trey. Scores still two zip. Give me a six. Question number six. After Michael Jordan left the Bulls after the 1998 finals, there have been seven Bulls to average at least 20 points per game in a season. Now, I am not including Jakar Sampson, who did average exactly 20 points per game in four games during the 2018-19 season. We are going to try to name all the other seven. How this works, Trey, you'll give me a name. Then we'll go to Andrew. He'll give me a name. We'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So, Trey, I just need a name of a bull who scored 20 points per game after Michael Jordan. Derek Rose. That is correct. Andrew. Ben Gordon. That is correct. Back to Trey. Zach Levine. That is correct. Back to Andrew. 
Um, this is where it gets really tough. Um, gosh, I have names. I just don't know. I just don't think twenty. That's a lot. It's a lot of points. Twenty is a lot. Can't be nineteen point seven. Uh-uh. Hint, 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 hint. Not a hint, actually. I'm just telling you somebody. <laughs> 19.7. What about Jalen Rose? Jalen Rose is correct. Oh, that's a good Back one. to Trey. Okay, okay. Jalen Rose. That was going to be my next one. I, oh, that's a wow. great call. Mm-hmm. I thought that would All be right, the, 20, the one you guys wouldn't get. 20 per game. Who else? Not I doubt it. Carlos Boozer? Carlos Boozer. That is incorrect. Yeah. Andrew gets a point. <sighs> Who did you miss out on? Well, what about Jimmy Butler? Oh, that was a dumb one. Oh. <laughs> what about last oh, year, no. Nikola Vucevic? Oh, oh, oh controversial. Yeah. Controversial inclusion. Let uh, me look. I'm I sure admit, he scored a, 20. Oh, 21 and a half in 26 games. Yeah. The, the, other, the other name, though, Elton Brand. Elton Brand. Uh, Elton Brand. Rookie yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I should have got Jimmy Butler. That was a that was a yeah. major oversight. Is now two to one. Andrew, it's your turn. Eight. Question number eight. Scottie Pippen is one of only five players in NBA history with ten or more all defensive team selections, meaning first or second team. Name the other four, and I'm going to give you one point per correct answer. So you have a potential here to get four points, Andrew, if you can name them. NBA say, players, say that it... 10 or more all-defensive team selections, first or second team. There's wow. four other guys other than Scottie Pippen. We're, we're going back and forth, or I have to name them all? You, you, could, you can name them all, Andrew. You could get four points right here. Take a commanding lead if you wanted to. Mm. Ben Wallace? No. Terrible start. Okay, Trey. (laughs) (laughs) Trey, you have a chance to steal four points here if you can tell me four players in NBA history with ten or more all-defensive team selections. Ooh, Ben Wallace. That's tough. Uh, You know, he was was, uh, not great for the Bulls as well, so I'm happy to see him (laughs) coming through in the clutch for me here. Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan also incorrect. He had nine. Nine. He had nine. The correct wow. answers were Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Kevin Garnett. Wow. Uh, that makes All me right. Mad. Wow, Ofer on yeah, that that's, one. Yeah, that's right. uh, that's bad. <clears throat> Still two to one. Back to Trey. Seven. Oh, I'm disappointed. Question number seven. Who is the only Bulls player to win an Olympic gold medal in basketball for a country other than the United States? Gold medal? Gold medal. Andres Nocioni? That is correct for two points. There we go. There we go. All right. Back to Andrew. Andrew, you're now down four to one. Could his magical run be over? Ooh, uh, let's go three. Question number three. Benny the Bull was the first mascot in the NBA and has been a part of the Bulls franchise for over 50 years. According to the Bulls website, Benny has an extended family of mascots that will occasionally appear during Bulls games. Which of the following is not 
one of Benny's extended mascot family. So I'm going to give you five names of mascots. One of them are one of them is not part of Benny's extended family, okay? Gus T. Bull, Mama Betty, Benson, Benny 3000, or Big Ben. <laughs> Gus T. Bull. Repeat them, please, Al. <laughs> Gus T. Bull, Mama Gus Betty, T-Bull. Benson, Benny 3000, or Big Ben. I'll say Benny 3000. Benny 3000 is correct. I thought I might trick you there. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a robot Benny Ooh. the Bull. That's what I was thinking there. <laughs> Didn't fool you. Okay, it is now four me. to three. We've got ourselves a game. And Trey, it is your turn. There are two questions left. Four or five? I'll go f- five. <laughs> like, Question- <laughs> like it really mattered. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I don't know here. Five it. Question number five. Michael Jordan wore three different jersey numbers during his career. Name all three. 23, 45, 12. That is correct for two points. Nice. All right, Andrew, it is currently six to three. By my count, there are no opportunities left for you to win. Thus, bringing an end to Andrew's reign. However, you do get first dibs on the last question, which I have a feeling you will not (laughs) know. In 1979, (laughs) the two worst teams in the league were the Bulls and the Lakers. Did you know a coin flip decided which team would get to pick first? The Lakers won and selected Magic Johnson. Who did the Bulls take second overall in the 1979 draft? Um, I don't know, Al. I have no idea. I, I didn't have any idea either. This is a name I had never even heard of before, even though he had a, a decently long NBA career. Trey, do you know who it was? 1979? 1979. One pick after Magic Johnson. Uh, I feel like probably we should know who was the second pick in this draft. I have no idea, though. That's how I felt, too. It is David Greenwood. Okay. David Green. Have you ever heard that name before? <laughs> David oh, Davey Greenwood. Greenwood. Honestly, Dave, sure. The way you guys are saying it makes me wonder if I just made this up. Is he real? <laughs> yes, Dave Greenwood. Greenwood. He was drafted second. I've never heard that name. Yep. I know. I'd never heard it before. You, you, because you, you know, you know, like Sam Bowie from the MJ draft. Like you always know the players who are around, like sure. the great all timers. But I'd never heard of David Greenwood. Well, that brings us to the end of Andrew versus the Beat. Trey Kirby with the win, 6-3, to three, dropping Andrew below 500 to 11, 12, and 1. I love it. Uh, happy to come on and school you. I would have been feeling pretty That's bad right. if I lost this Bulls trivia, even though I'm, yeah. I'm going to be kicking myself for the Jimmy Butler one. I was like... You know, I was trying to think, like, <laughs> who was the Bulls' good scorer? Like, who was the Bulls' good player in between Rose and Levine? There was somebody there. I should have figured it out. We said his name a few times earlier. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Trey, thanks so much for coming on. If you're not listening to No Dunks, that's a, a bad thing for you in your life. If you're not watching No Dunks on YouTube, I mean, it's it's a whole nother level. <laughs> you got to get on the stream team. Get yourself a stream team mug while you're at it. Uh, thanks so much, Trey. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This was really, really fun. All right, Andrew, well, after the Chicago Bulls, it is now time to spin the Wheel of Fandom once again. Now, this will be a team that we'll be discussing in two weeks. We'll get to be become fans for two weeks, Andrew, an extended stay. 
How exciting is that? We have 10 teams left on the Wheel of Fandom Spinner Wheel. Very excited to see who we get. We still got some great names out there. Rockets, Grizz, Raptors. Interested in all those teams. Trailblazers. That would be interesting. Okay, so here we go. Spinning the wheel. Who will be the next Wheel of Fandom team? It will be the New York Knicks. Ooh, the Knicks. All right, that's wow. fun. That's a fun one. Yeah, Kimbo Walker. It's great. Julius Randle. Can't wait. Fournier. Fournier. <laughs> yeah. Should be a really fun one. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Again, programming note, no Slam and Jam next week. We will have a show the following week, though, where we will talk about the Knicks. We'll talk about what's going on in the NBA, if anything. And we really appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to leave us a five-star Apple Podcast review. We will read that live on the show and we will talk to you guys again in two weeks.